0: The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents First Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, president at Lola Red, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of First Strings, Maria Ritan.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday right here at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, I was reading an article from Chuck Martin. He had gone to the, I think it's the IoT Advertising at Internet Week conference and was talking about wearables. And I, I know, you know, the Apple Watch has been such the rage and you may have been watching kind of what's been going on with wearables. But apparently that was a big topic of discussion at Internet Week. And he sat down with an executive at Jawbone. You're probably familiar with Jawbone. You might even have one. It's the maker of a fitness device that you can wear and it tracks pretty much everything about you. And Travis Bogard, who's the VP of Product Management and Strategy at JobOn, was talking about really the mode of integration and how it's changed. And integration now and interaction has really come down to second by second. We can really have these interactions with people, these two-way interactions, just in a matter of seconds. And part of it is because of the wearables. And um, he says that's why smartwatches are really paving the way of the future Mobile payments are also uh, something that's really looming. Jawbone recently partnered with American Express and now allows payments through its fitness tracker. I don't know if you knew that. I thought that was pretty cool. Bogart even mentioned that when he came to the conference in a taxi, he just tapped his wrist with the wearable with NFC built in and left the vehicle. So there was no, you know, scrambling for your wallet, trying to, you know, swipe your card. That is something that just really takes um, the mess and fuss out of it. And something that you have on your body could just easily become a payment. That's kind of what's behind Apple Pay and Google Wallet as well. And we're going to see other devices like fitness trackers being part of this as well. So something to... St- note. We're going to see things really develop, I think, more from an innovation standpoint as all kinds of wearables start incorporating all types of technologies. Our first profile today is the Gucci girl. This is a single woman in her late 20s to early 30s with a higher income, fashion conscious. There's nearly 2 million women of these like-minded Gucci girls out there, college grad, single, employed full-time, no kids, making quite a chunk of change. Median household income is up to $90,000. They do like to keep up with fashion. After all, they are Gucci girls. Fashion magazines determine what they buy. They like to try the latest styles. They'll switch things up for novelty and change. They're the first among their friends to shop a new store. And they are a referral for their friends on what to buy and where to buy. So they're a huge influencer. They like the act of just getting out and shopping, whether they buy something or not. And uh, money plays a large role in their lives, whether it's to get to the top of their career. Money, they say, is the best measure of success. They do like to socialize, so entertaining in their home. Home and shopping with friends um, are a big motivator in their lives. So, where are they shopping? Places like Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Banana Republic, or Tops with her. She's driving an Infiniti, a Jeep, a Mercedes Benz, or a Nissan. And, of course, she's purchasing Gucci because she is the Gucci girl. Kenneth Cole, Calvin Klein, and Chanel are also tops with her. Her media choices are eclectic. Uh, she's reading Glamour, Cosmo, Shape, Entertainment Weekly, Self, and The New Yorker. And online, uh, she's at uh, Travelocity and USA Today getting her news. Uh, EHarmony, harmony uh, looking for the man of her dreams, I suppose. And on cable, she's at E-Lifetime Bravo. H-E-T-V, and TLC. Well, my guest today knows a lot about women and about influencers. Tiffany Romero has made her career based on them. She's right now the president of influencer management at the Sway Group. Tiffany, uh, back in 2008, began as a blogger, created a blogger social community called the SITS Girls, which is now 75,000 members strong. It's really about supporting bloggers to grow their business. Uh, back in 2011, uh, the Sway Group bought the SITS Girls, and uh, Tiffany joined their executive team just last year. She's going to join us today to talk about the evolution of blogging, the power of influence, and how brands can get involved. More when Purse Strings returns after the break.
0: We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Ritan.
1: Well, welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me today is Tiffany Romero. She's the president of Influencer Management with The Sway Group. And you may remember Tiffany from a previous Purse Strings show that was way back when she originally had created The Sits Girls, That's 75,000 members strong and growing today. In fact, still around, doing very, very well. Uh, you may recall that it offers everything from how-to how to articles to interviews with women influencers. Tiffany went on to have very much success with The Sits Girls, so much so that she's now joined The Sway Group and really runs their official live event series and has visited more than 20 cities nationwide, maybe even the city that you're in today. Uh, She's been partnering with the Sway Group since 2011 and joined the executive team uh, just last year in 2014, and I'm thrilled to have Tiffany back on the show to talk about the Sway Group and everything that's going on there. Tiffany, welcome back.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I can't believe it. Time flies because it's been a number of years since you you were on the show. And at that time, uh, you know, you started off as a blogger who had founded Sits Girls, which which of course, for people who don't know, Sit stands for the Secret to Success is Support, which I absolutely love. And it was about bloggers supporting other bloggers to grow their audiences. And I know that you had such huge success with that, so much so that the Sits Girls was acquired by the Sway Group. But the mission is similar, isn't it? Supporting bloggers. Can you? talk a little bit about the Sway Group and similarities or perhaps differences between the two entities?
3: Sure. So Sway Group and Sis Girls actually work together to support the blogger from kind of every angle. So I like to look at it like Sits Girls, the tools and information to help influencers grow their audience, and then Massive Sway, which is our, our iSway, which is our proprietary portal allows bloggers to register and look through and manage paid opportunities. So they kind of go hand in hand. We've been able to make Massive way so successful by offering paid opportunities to the bloggers and influencers that were already in SIT. So it kind of made perfect sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was a nice marriage. It certainly sounds that way. And, you know, at, at the time when you started blogging in 2008 – Boy, blogging has changed so much, Tiffany. It's crazy. I mean, the power of those influencers is amazing. and and really bloggers are able to make it a full-time career, aren't they?
3: They really are. And they're they're not, it's funny because back when we last spoke, the people who were making it a full-time career were really a handful of powerhouse bloggers. And mm-hmm. now you have bloggers that, you know, we we offer paid opportunities not just for bloggers, also Pinterest amplification or Twitter amplification. And so you have these bloggers using other areas of influence to create income as well.
1: That's right, because we have so many more platforms today. I mean, think about how that landscape's changed since two thousand and eight. And Pinterest has become such a, a powerhouse in itself. And you know, those smart bloggers, those so smart bloggers, have leveraged <laughs> it across Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and Snapchat and all the Instagram. And it's just, it's, it's really amazing. And you know we put so much power into bloggers hands and brands want to companion with bloggers all the time. Do you feel like the power that we bestow bloggers is warranted, Tiffany? I mean, is it something that they've earned and it's something that they kind of uh, foster?
3: I, I do. I think I would, I would change out the word power with influence. Mm. I think that they, they do have an influence when it comes to their audience and to brands that are courting their audience. I think the big thing that's changed is the number of bloggers um, and influencers that are available to a brand. You know, with just Sway alone, you know, we can offer 75,000 influencers. Mm -hmm. So brands have much more choice um, and can really narrow down influencers that they use. But when a brand and an influencer come together and the match is right, it it also works for the audience because the brand is something that resonates with the audience and the blogger, if they're doing well and doing good work, they have written a post that is very authentic in line with their own voice and they're writing and sharing key messages about a product and it feels very real. I mean, of course, we always just close with FTC, but the, the blogger... are are still giving their audience their voice and their life and their story. And when they do it right, the brand wins, the audience wins, the blogger wins, and it's Mm -hmm. pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads me to my next question is, how do you recommend determining which influencer should align with a brand or which brand should align with the influencer? I mean, you talked about that match. So how do you go about marrying those up?
3: So it's it's so interesting because, you know, back in – even 2010, um, you know, usually the way that bloggers and brands were matched up is someone from the brand sent out emails to bloggers that they found on Google and, you know, kind of took what they could get and what they could find. And now with, with businesses like Sway and Massive Sway, they come to us and they actually complete a questionnaire. And they've already spoken to our sales team who has asked them, you know, where do you, want, where do you want your influence? What are your goals for the campaign? Because a campaign that wants Twitter impressions is very different than a campaign that's looking for, you know, maybe email or something visual. So we would steer them in the right direction. As now we're finding instead of, you know, a bunch of great blog posts, we're now adding in, you know, blog posts Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook. So they fill out a survey about what they're looking for. And I mean, the demographic can be geo-targeted. It might be with a specific age group. It might be with um, women that have children of a certain age. So we can get very, very targeted because of the amount of influence we have in our network. And we go through, we send them a recruitment, they complete it. And then once I get it back, I actually go through each site and kind of match up the brand's goals with what I know about each blogger. Mm. So we can get really great specific content now that's um, more powerful and more online with the brand's goals than we could even two years ago.
1: That's amazing. And there's more to choose from, to your point. You know, uh, there's more and more bloggers out there, so you have more – to cherry pick, you know before as you originally mentioned, there were just a few power bloggers, right, just a few, and they they were hard to capture for some bands, and so now there is really more of an equitable approach, I think, between being able to find a blogger that does match up with the brand, any brand it's just more to choose from more choice it really helps I think everybody in the long run
3: it really um, does because we used to have just lifestyle bloggers for the most part, and now you've got you know, blogs that are t- totally about recipes. You've got blogs that are completely about DIY, you know, blogs that are to narrow down uh, what it is that you want to match it up with.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing when it works well. I, I do have a question because, you know, we talked about FCC. You have to disclose when money's exchanged hands with, between a blogger and a brand. And I'm just curious, do you find that consumers care that there's been an exchange of dollars, that it that it impacts the validity of that recommendation or that post? Or do you feel like consumers really trust that bloggers are going to give them the real deal, whether or not money's been exchanged or not?
3: I feel like when it's done right, the and with the right blogger, the audience is willing to give up that trust capital and and read the post and trust the blogger. When it's a blog that is using the platform to simply post over and over and over again sponsored content, I do think that an audience can tend to get turned off. Um, that would be different than, let's say, a blog that was just coupons or deals. You know, people are actively looking those um, for those online, and so those those bloggers are posting 15 or 16 times a day, but it's all coupon based. Mm-hmm. But some, we've seen this shift towards blogs that used to be lifestyle blogs suddenly saying yes to every single opportunity. And we really, we just had a, um, a conference this weekend and with our bloggers in Southern California. And one of the big things I talked about was, you know, only saying yes to campaigns that truly are a fit for your blog and your audience, because that's how you're going to keep that trust capital, even though you've disclosed it, which is, you know, the right thing to do. It really helps audiences when they show up to your blog and there's something sponsored that it's still written in your voice that, you know, you're using beautiful photographs and you're weaving it into the overall story you've been telling them for as long as you've had your blog. So I do think that we're actually seeing bloggers go back to being more storytellers and being more choosy about the sponsored content they take.
1: Yeah, no, and that's so smart. And as you said before, when it's done right, it's done well. It's a win-win-win for everybody. Win for the blogger, win for the brand, win for the consumer. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I do want to follow up on something that you mentioned earlier about bloggers really leveraging other social platforms. So we're going to dig in a little bit on that when we return with Tiffany Romero in just a moment.
0: drinks, we will be right back after a word from our advertisers. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Ritan.
1: Welcome back. I've been chatting today with Tiffany Romero. She's the president of Influencer Management at the Sway Group, and you may remember Tiffany. She's the founder of the Sits Girls. She founded the Sits Girls as a blogger herself. It's now seventy-five thousand members strong and growing. The Sits Girls um, offers so many, uh, so many things for brands, including getting brands in front of those influencers. It's really supporting bloggers and helping their businesses grow. Um, the Sway Group. Does a series of live events as well, and that really was spawned by the sits girls so it 's been a really nice marriage and tiffany 's been part of their executive team since last year we 've been talking about the power of blogging how it 's changed so dramatically since two thousand and eight when Tiffany was ability to really customize campaigns based on partnerships with the right blogger, really writing authentically and that consumers are really much more accepting when that happens. We were talking earlier, Tiffany, about social platforms and how bloggers now have diversified. You know, it's not just on their blog that they're interacting, but there's so many other avenues, whether it be Pinterest or Instagram. And I'm just curious if you're seeing some platforms being more powerful and amplifying those messages than perhaps others.
3: You know, I, th- I actually think all of them are, are very well cool when they're matched up with So, for example, if, we're, if we just did something to get a lot of eyes on video, and Twitter is such a great place for that because when you include a URL to a YouTube video in a tweet, the whole video shows up in the stream, so they don't have to click away to watch it. And we saw amazing results from that. Sharing an infographic, we do that on Pinterest and have it go back to the brand's page. Facebook is where we like to have conversation now. Blog comments really have kind of disappeared since Facebook came into the picture. And what we're finding is that while people will go read the full post on a blog, they tend to be more likely to talk about it on Facebook. Mm. Facebook is another place where we, if, if we have a, a client that's wanting to garner interest in a sweepstakes or giveaway, we find that bloggers sharing that information on Facebook results in entries for the brand. So there's there's really a great need for each of them. Instagram is probably one of the newer places that brands are finding a way to engage. Pinterest, or Instagram is very... We call it pure. <laughs> People <laughs> will, will tweet sponsored content all the time, but they're very particular about what goes into their Instagram feed. Mm. So we had a client, a food client, that we just did an Instagram campaign with, and what they did was they they took and gave us some absolutely beautiful images of food, um, and we provided text to the blogger, influencer, and they used it on Instagram, and we got wonderful – I mean, some of them had up to 300 likes on Instagram mm. – uh, and people were engaging about it, even though it was clearly disclosed. The pictures were beautiful and that's what people expect on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And our next, you know, we're now moving into Snapchat. We just talked about it at the last conference. How do we use this new piece of of technology? And it's really where, you know, Generation Z is starting to engage the most often. Mm-hmm. So reaching those younger millennials and you know that gen z snapchat is kind of the place to go but there's no way to track analytics <laughs> so it puts right. us as data people in kind of like okay how do we do this and so <laughs> what we're doing is just adding it into larger campaigns for fun to see how it goes and what we can do with it but really that is because you have to hold on that image it's how it's a great way to reach that that demographic
1: yeah, it's it's so interesting. I have a 15-year-old and she's on Snapchat all the time. And mm-hmm. I've been thinking, how in the heck is Snapchat going to be able to really monetize this? Because it is so hard from an analytical standpoint. I mean, you, you have more clearly defined analytics on the other platforms that you described. And I think from a from a brand standpoint, those are more easily digested than, say, Snapchat, which seems so fleeting. But to your point, that's where those uh, Gen Z eyeballs really are. And that's certainly mm-hmm. where they're engaging. So there's some value there for sure. It's just hard to quantify the, the value.
3: Exactly. So
1: if you had to sum it up a little bit, what would you say would be some bottom line best practices for brands seeking to create influential campaigns by leveraging, you know, leveraging the blogger network?
3: You know, I I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give to a brand is one, define your goals. We get a lot of brands that come to us just knowing they should be working with influencers, but they're not sure how. Certainly, a company or a go-between like Sway Group is a great place to start because if you just you know kind of explain the campaign, we can offer tell you the best way to move forward with it. The other thing that I would do is to reach out to the bloggers in, a, in an authentic way. I think that a lot of the, those mass emails that get sent to Dear Mommy Blogger, mm-hmm. um, they get deleted. And, you know, oftentimes I, I still get them and I haven't blogged in three years, but that, that even tells me more that the person reaching out to me hasn't looked at my blog because it hasn't had a post <laughs> on it, my personal blog since, you know, 2010. And, So really take the time to read through blogs and find people that are the best fit. The great thing about something like Sway is we've already done that. We know the bloggers over the last five years, we've done over 35 events and have met at this point, I personally have met thousands of bloggers. Mm -hmm. And so I have, when I send an email that says, Hey, I have a quick turnaround. Is there any way you could get this post up tomorrow? I can get a yes, you know, because there's a relationship there. So The biggest thing, though, is to really think about what the goals are. And if you're not sure and you're brand new to the space and you're a little nervous about working with influencers, reach out to a go-between company like us that can really help identify the goals and match you up. And then, you know, we are the ones that deal with the bloggers. We reach out. When there's a misspelling, we contact them. We have a whole QA team that reads every blog post and every tweet to make sure It's on brand and has all the necessary disclosures and then provides a beautiful wrap-up report at the end. So it kind of takes the pain out of it.
1: Um, Yes, and there can be a lot of pain involved. Yes, so that's good. There can.
3: (laughs) There can be a lot.
1: Before we go, though, I know at the top of the show, I talked about your live event series and you've traveled to a lot of different cities. Do you have a live event coming up?
3: We will be heading to Dallas. In the fall of 2015, we haven't secured the date yet. We just finished in SoCal on Saturday. It was a great event in Temecula. But, you know, just kind of following us on Twitter at Fitzgirls or our Facebook page is over 50,000 people. We announce things there all the time. And if if anyone is, you know, interested in really our our events are geared or bloggers that, that have already started blogging, And are looking to really go the next step and make a business out of it. Because there's a big difference between hobby blogging and treating your social platforms as your business. Um, And so we cover a lot of that. It's also a great place for brands to engage face-to-face with bloggers by being a sponsor
1: yeah perfect. yes, exactly. And I knew those events were for bloggers, but you know we we get a wide range of people listening to burst strings, and there may be people who are really thinking about converting their blog to a business based blog so I do encourage everyone to do as Tiffany says follow them on Twitter follow them on Facebook and if you want to learn more from a corporate standpoint about how you might engage um, Tiffany and members of the Sway Group um, uh, to try to you know match your brand with the right influencer you can also go to their website which is SwayGroupLLC.com as well, well Tiffany thank you so much for being back on the show and I, I hope you have a fabulous summer and good luck in Dallas in the fall
3: Thank you so much.
1: And thanks to my producer, George, for another great show. And join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one.